What's up, everyone, and welcome to another week of First Seed Fantasy. I am Kyle Krajewski, joined by lovely, beautiful, gorgeous Zach Cole. Zach, missed you last week. How are you, man? I'm doing much better than I was last week. I was feeling a little under the weather on our recording day, and luckily uh, Mike was able to step in and and fill in my spot, and I'm very grateful for him there. Um, But I'm fired fired up to be back. Happy to have you, as always. Uh, We are First Seed Fantasy, just talking some fantasy football. Uh, We are about to be mid-July. Fantasy drafts are probably kicking off. Um, you've probably still got a few weeks before your draft or you're just really digging into prepping for, for your draft, uh, whether that's this weekend, in the few weeks, next month, a week before the NFL actually begins. Either way, we're here to help you out uh, and prepare as much as you can for that draft. Um, today, we've got booms and busts. And before we get into that, we are a First Seed Fantasy Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at First Seed Fantasy, YouTube First Seed Fantasy, Podcast First Seed Fantasy, Search First Seed Fantasy. You can find us. We're even on uh, threads. Uh, I don't know if it's Instagram threads or just threads. Either way, we're on there. Find us there, uh, and you'll we'll be happy you followed us. Um, now let's get into boom bus. Uh, we're going to do two booms and a bust, and we're going to sandwich that bust between the two booms. Um, there's a joke somewhere, but I can't come up with that currently. <laughs> um, but I'm going to kick us off here with my, my first pick for the boom. That's good old running back Miles Sanders, fresh on a new team, a new squad in Carolina, playing for Zach's Carolina Panthers. Uh, last year, he was the RB15 in what I can only describe as a crowded back as a crowded backfield, uh, but more in the sense of just how they used running backs. And Miles Sanders showed in several weeks that he still got it. Um, I'm, I mean, we're looking at it on screen. He had games of 29.6, uh, 31, 28.5, uh, week winning weeks. And sure, that was on the Philadelphia Eagles. They were scoring a lot more points. But uh, he's reunited with Frank Reich. And I think that's a, uh, I guess, something that almost isn't being discussed as much. Um, Being being with a a coach that he was with uh, early on in his career. uh, I mean, even his rookie year where he was the RB14 again. Uh, Currently being drafted as the RB21 which I, to some people I make, it makes sense, but I feel like he is in, a, in an opportunity to kind of uh, to very much to beat that and come out with a better opportunity, a uh, better season than 21. And I feel like where he's being drafted, you can take him and he'll be a super valuable RB2 or flex play for your, for your team. Yeah, uh, Kyle, I love this pick. I think you hit the nail on the head with this. And I I think the thing that I would like to highlight here about Miles Sanders specifically is if you take a look at his receptions there, that was one thing that I really think he was kind of stripped of in Philadelphia. Um, 
we saw a lot of Kenneth Gainwell. We saw some Boston Scott. There were just other options that the Eagles, uh, I don't want to say felt more comfortable going to, but tended to go to a little bit more when it came to passing down situations. Uh, and in Carolina, I think Miles Sanders is going to get a good majority yep. of that receiving work as well. I mean, I, I know that the old regime of, of Ron Rivera and um, the OC Brady are, are all kind of gone. Um, but when they were there, I mean, think of the years of, of Christian McCaffrey we saw where they just peppered him with targets over and over again. And I think that that's kind of a, an M.O. for Carolina now, more more than just a, a coaching thing. I think it's more of a franchise thing where they like to give their running back the ball. And they brought in Miles Sanders. They gave him a nice second contract. Uh, and and I think that they have every intention in the world to use him pretty, pretty, pretty heavily. So he's had a couple injuries in, in the past few years, but. I think that they see this guy as not having a super heavy amount of of tread on his tires, if you will. Uh, and I think that they're going to use him accordingly. They're going to give him the rock. Yeah, I completely forgot to mention, but I mean, all reports up to now have been Miles Sanders being involved in the passing game. And yeah. while that may not have been his strong suit, he has previously shown that he can be uh, useful in the passing game. So I, right. I personally expect him to be uh, a, a passing or a receiving back this year more than he has been in the past three seasons. Yeah, agreed. And I, I, I think that what they were hoping for with, with Chuba Hubbard last year, I think is what Miles Sanders is going to prove to be for them this season. I think that he's going to provide that bell cow upside and that receiving game help. And I think he's going to be a really complete running back this year. So I think this is a great pick, Kyle. Let's hear yours, brother. All right. Well, let me get into mine here. Um, I actually also I'm going to stick uh, with the running back position here. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, James Conner, the running back for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. He is currently being taken at an ADP of RB35, which to me is just uh, absolutely absurd. Um, I, I know he's coming off a season where he was a little bit injury prone last year. Heck, I had him last year and I actually sold him early because he was driving me nuts because he was very, very inconsistent. You can see there from uh, the game log Kyle's showing he missed weeks six, seven and eight after putting up a couple clunkers and weeks uh, four and what, three and five there, uh, two, three and five. He was just extremely unreliable early, but then he kind of got it going uh, later on in the season enough so that he ended up finishing as the RB 19 and PPR. Uh, so even with four missed games, because he sat out the final game of the season, he was still extremely, extremely productive uh, as a running back for the Cardinals. And I think for me, the thing that gives me the most confidence in this situation is that the depth chart just screams that he is going to be the guy here. Uh, they have Keontae Ingram, uh, who's a younger running back that we could maybe see something from. But the other guy here is Tyson Williams, who couldn't even really catch on with the Ravens, who... Uh, are an extremely run-heavy team that were hurting at running back. That was hurting at running back the last couple seasons. So, you know, no slight to Tyson Williams, but I don't think it's a particularly promising backup option here. And we've seen that in the past. The Cardinals have relied pretty heavily on one running back. Um, where I, I'm trying to think of who it was uh, last season. Um, I forget who they're given targets or who they were given the ball oh, to last yeah. season, and then they just cut him mid-season, which was just uh, un unbelievable. You know, Benjamin. So, Eno Benjamin, who who I thought was a, a very solid uh, backup for James Conner. So for him to be gone out of this backfield, for it to be essentially Conner's show, we know the quarterback situation is extremely questionable up until Kyler Murray returns. It's hard to see any situation where this isn't just the James Conner show for the first 
who knows, eight, 10 weeks of the season. So I love his value. I think one thing you can't overlook when it comes to running back is just volume. And I think James Conner is going to get a ton of volume. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, the, the big thing for me with James Conner is he's currently the RB35 and ADP. And I feel like to get a starting running back who uh, is going to get guaranteed volume pretty much is uh, really difficult to find that kind of, I guess, late in drafts or kind of in that mid-range of drafts. Um, he's almost like a, like a safe pick. Um, mm-hmm. which sure, if you're drafting, you want to get the guy who's going to win you weeks, but James Conner is going to be, uh, like a perfect RB two. If you're structuring your team with like uh stud stud, like, like big game, big game, big game. And then you can be like, all right, James Conner, you're going to get me 15 points every week, pretty much. Uh, and, and that's kind of like 10 to 15 is kind of what you are drafting him for. And I feel like in that RB 35 range, that RB what is that RB three range is mm-hmm. uh, incredible value. I think people just look at James Conner and don't see flashiness. And right. that might be the, the, the term that what deters people from really spiking his ADP, but you know, he's going to get about 200 carries. He's uh, going to score probably more later into the season once Kyler's back. But I mean, even until then, maybe they just rely on him game after game after game. And he's just going to be he's going to be a volume guy. Yeah. And you can see there, Kyle, in 2021, he he ended up as the running back five, which was just incredible. And I think that that was heavily on the back of uh, those 15 touchdowns we can see there. Last season, he ended up with seven missing four games. I like to think he's probably going to fall somewhere in the middle of of that range maybe in the 10 to 12 touchdown range which i think is just like you mentioned phenomenal value for a guy that you're taking as essentially an rb3 especially when some of those other starting caliber running backs that you're taking at that position you don't even necessarily know whether they're going to be starting running backs you know i think of like a khalil herbert um or or guys in that kind of range so I, I think to get a guy that's going to be the bell cow, that's going to be on a team that needs to utilize him to to score points and maybe move the ball. Um, I, I just love the value here and it's not going to be sexy, but it's going to get the job done. And as you mentioned, if you start running back, you go here or running back. I think he's the perfect complement to a, to an Eckler, to a Christian McCaffrey, to one of those super high end guys when you can go running back, maybe receiver, 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 and then go Connor. Or, or something along those lines. You know, I think you can really um, build a nice team setup with, with James Conner in your, in your roster. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, James Conner, I'm looking at a draft board now. James Conner's got an ADP floating in the middle of the sixth. Miles Sanders, we previously talked about, middle of the fifth round ADP uh, for running backs who are going to be large pieces of their offense and uh, relied on. So it's like guaranteed volume that late is beautiful that almost kyle makes me want to try to go through a team build where i go maybe four receivers to start and then stick those two guys in as my uh as my my running back run running back one and running back two i mean that's a little a little worrisome putting that much value or putting that much faith into a fifth and sixth round running back but i feel like if there's any any two guys that have a chance to be able to carry the load on a team it's it's sanders and connor yeah i i personally have probably too many uh, best ball lineups that have a ton of receivers and my RB one is Miles Sanders. I think Sanders <laughs> is consistently my, my top picked. Uh, I do too. He, he's just in, he's in that sweet spot where you are, 
you're looking at the board and you're going, I don't love the upside on any of these receivers. You know, I'm not, and maybe I took a quarterback early or I'm going to wait on quarterback. And Sanders is always just there. I, I, I love taking him. I'm, I'm really a big fan of his value this year. Yeah. Now speaking, I guess on the, the other side of, of love, let's get into some bus here. Uh, Zach, Zach and I are going to name uh, basically just two guys here that we aren't super in love with their ADP and where they're being drafted. Not to say we're completely fading these guys, but they're two guys that we are just probably not taking at their current ADP. Yeah. Uh, and I'll kick us off here with my pick, and that is Giants tight end Darren Waller. This one is is tricky for me, um, namely because I like a few tight ends that are going, I guess, in this range quite a bit more um, than Waller. I'd say probably a lot more than Waller. Um, I mean, just right after him, you've got Fryer Muth, Evan Ingram, uh, Njoku, and Waller's currently the tight end seven off the board, uh, an ADP on sleeper at least. And on a new team and a new system, I don't love it. I don't see the target share being carved out for Waller. I feel like Daniel Jones is a guy who, I mean, I think the only counterpoint to this bust pick is that there's nobody else to throw the ball to in in New York. So it's like Darren Waller and then uh, Saquon. And for me, though, it's... it's, uh, they still have a second-year tight end in Daniel Bellinger. Um, Darren Waller is going to come in uh, playing two back-to-back, uh, slightly unhealthy seasons. Um, last year, he was the tight end 31. The year before, he was tight end 17 after missing several games both season. And now he kind of plays with a new quarterback and not uh, reliable Derek Carr. Uh, not to say Jones is bad, but... In- I just don't see Jones targeting the tight end position as much as Derek Carr was. And without that volume, which I think is what Waller kind of thrived off of, without that volume, I don't think Waller, to me personally, is a top 10 tight end. And for that, uh, Waller is kind of a a blaring fade, uh, a big bust for me. Um, And I'm, I'm just not a fan of where he's currently being drafted. I think people almost it's funny, it's it's non-recent recency bias about Darren Waller. Yeah. I think I think people are still stuck on those on those visions of 20, 2020, 2019, even going back as far as uh you can see they didn't have, I guess it was just 2019 and 2020. Never mind. Um, I think it's just because how dominant he was in those two seasons is just he was he was essentially what you got when you hit on Mark Andrews a couple seasons ago, or when you hit on when you hit on those tight ends that you didn't have to spend up for, but they ended up paying off as a tight end two or a tight end three. And I think people are a little bit stuck on that still. And I think maybe just changing places and going to a new uh, a new offensive system are is kind of revitalizing that people think he's gonna you know bounce back to that. But I mean, we've seen, like you mentioned, we've seen two unhealthy seasons from from Waller. He's he's had a hard time staying on the field. Now, don't get me wrong; I think he's gonna provide weeks where he's gonna go for 20, 25, 30 sure. points. But I just think that it's going to be so few and far in between that that you're not going to be happy with the overall output of Darren Waller. Whereas, Kyle, you mentioned guys like Fryermuth and Evan Ingram and Njoku, who 
on a game-to-game basis are going to have a role carved out for them where I think you're going to be a little bit more happy with the consistency. Sure, you're not going to – you might not get a 30-point week or, a, you know, a 35-point week from one of those guys where they call in three touchdowns like Waller potentially could. But I, I almost feel like you'd be happier in the long run with a guy that's going to get you 8 to 10, 8 to 12 points a week consistently, week in and week out, which I think I fall into the same category with you here where I'm leaning towards not necessarily a bust, but I don't like Waller at this value. I like some yeah. of the other guys a little bit better. Yeah, and I think that's to say, I guess throughout the summer, we'll say, I don't like this guy. I'm not drafting this guy. Uh, stay away. It, it's course. not like it, – it's for the most part, it is at cost. Yeah, I'm sitting, let's see, where is he going currently? Darren Waller's finding himself being drafted uh, in the early seventh. Um, I think if he falls maybe to the 10th, like that's where I I like him. Um, I will probably find myself taking Waller, but I don't see him falling that far. I just feel like there's a bunch of other guys going slightly behind him that I'm more excited about this year than Waller. And there's a point for every single player in a draft that you could say, at this value, I will take this guy no matter yeah. what. You know, if if maybe you're not a first round quarterback guy, but if Mahomes is sitting there in the third, at this value, I need to take him. You know, and and yeah. just because we label someone as a bust or uh, a poor value or something doesn't necessarily mean we dislike that person. It's more so we just don't like them at that price that we're paying up for them. Bingo. All right, Kyle. Let me let me jump in here. I'm I'm gonna get a little hot takey on this one, I guess, and I'll probably make some people mad, but um, I, I'm actually gonna go with the quarterback here from for my bust, with the guy that I don't love at value, and that's simply because I, I don't necessarily, I, I don't really put a lot of value in, in a guy that's unproven, uh, especially at this value that he's going at, and that's Anthony Richardson, the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, who is currently being taken as the number nine quarterback off the board right now. Uh, I honestly, I don't really have a lot of uh, a lot of nitty gritty stats. You can see here, he doesn't have a single a single play <laughs> run in the NFL, and quite honestly, that's the reason why I'm fading him as much as I am. I, I think that people are expecting him to run the ball like Justin Fields or run the ball um, like L- Lamar Jackson, these quarterbacks that we see. But I, I don't necessarily think that that's where the Colts are going to go this season. I think that they're going to run a very watered-down offense where he is uh, being asked to make throws, make basic throws, and and kind of more or less game-manage games, not necessarily imp- improvise and create plays and run the ball all over the place like we see some of these other quarterbacks do. I think that Richardson's kind of going to be a little bit capped in in some of the the upside that people are hoping that he has, especially at this ADP. And I think when you're taking him over other guys, like I'm trying to pull up my quarterback list here, when you're trying to when you're taking him at quarterback nine over guys like Deshaun Watson, who we've seen have multiple top top end quarterback seasons, or you're taking him over guys like um, who else do I see here? Tua, who we saw just go nuclear last year for the first half of the season, or Dak Prescott, who's guaranteed passing volume. It, it really kind of just worries me a little bit, especially because there's not a particular asset in the offense that he is tied to that's going to help boost his boost his uh, his stats at all. Like when you take Kirk Cousins, you know he's throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson every single game, and he's going to help kind of pull up Kirk's value. But Anthony Richardson realistically has Michael Pittman, and outside of that, he's got a bunch of unproven assets. So 
I personally don't love him at quarterback nine value. I, I think that there are other places that I would prefer to get my value. Now, with that being said, would I like him as a second quarterback? Sure, of course. You want to swing for the fences with those bench picks. But in this situation, when you're when he's being taken as the ninth quarterback off the board, I don't think a lot of people are going to get that opportunity with taking him as a second quarterback this early. Yeah, I think you nailed my point there that I was going to make at the end there. Richardson, to me, is a guy you take not as your starting quarterback, but your uh, QB2. Um, and this kind of goes to knowing your league. If you're going to draft a second quarterback and you get bullied for it and nobody else is taking a QB2, don't do it. However, if you're in leagues like Zach and I are in, where everybody just for some reason loads up on quarterbacks, then you've got to take your QB2 because there's not going to be anybody on the bench or on the waivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, Richardson is a guy who you sh- are you shouldn't draft as your starting quarterback. He's a guy you draft with with Deshaun Watson or with Tua or even like Geno Smith, someone who has that high upside volume that or power that we've already seen and can rely on. And then Richardson's the guy that you hold on to as like maybe, maybe he is. And if he's not, then you can drop him. And if he is boom, you've got him, you can start him. And it's like kind of your your easy access into uh, uh, the potential that Anthony, Rich- Anthony Richardson can be uh, without killing your weeks, uh, without losing yourself fantasy games. And like, like you just kind of have to know your week one roster while drafting. And if you're drafting one quarterback and it's Anthony Richardson, I – have a hard time seeing you win week one, two, and three. Uh, maybe you do, but I, it's hard to like make that commitment right away. Yeah, and you're digging yourself in a hole if you're starting off 0-3, just waiting for someone to kind of break out. So yeah. I think combined with the ADP and needing him as essentially a second quarterback or stashing him on the bench, I just don't think it's a great va- – oh, excuse me. I don't think it's a great value right now. I think he's more of a bust in, in my eyes. But – uh, not to belittle or belabor the point here, I, I looked up just through StatMuse some of the uh, rookie quarterback rushing totals and some of these guys that we're comparing him to, like Justin Fields. Justin Fields only had 420 rushing yards his first year and two touchdowns. Kyler Murray in 2019 had f- uh, 544 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Even Lamar Jackson, who we who we view as like the pinnacle of rushing quarterbacks, uh, his his. Uh, rookie year, he had 695 yards rushing and five touchdowns. So I think especially in an offense where he is going to have limited goal line opportunities because of the presence of Jonathan Taylor, I just don't necessarily expect him to get in the end zone enough times to make him valuable as a rushing quarterback. I think the last guy that we really saw dominate around the goal line uh, from his rookie season on was was Cam Newton, who ended up with 14 touchdowns rushing as a rookie. So I, I, I just... I think that for Richardson to return the value that he currently is being taken at, he needs to have a Cam Newton-like season, and I just don't necessarily know that we're going to see that from him right off the bat. Now, don't get me wrong; he could show that down the road, but I don't think I don't expect that in season one. Yeah, to kind of draft and rely on that season one is a hard ask, um, but not out of the realm of possibilities mm-hmm. uh i feel like i i might i agree with you qb9 
or an ADP of QB9 is a tad high. Um, and I oddly feel like that's going to shift as more and more drafts happen, as more and more people are, are kind of, as we take get a, another month out away from the NFL draft, uh, Richardson and the rookie hype may die down. We may see ADP settle to where they might be. Um, but right now, QB9 for Anthony Richardson is a bit too rich for my blood as well. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's, Let's end wrap on a it up note. here. Let's end on a high note. That's beautiful. Zach and I are going to, I guess, share our our final boom picks. Um, and my my first boom pick, or I guess my pick here, Christian Kirk, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian Kirk is currently being drafted as the wide receiver 31. Wide receiver 31 feels cheap for a guy who finished last year as the wide receiver 11 first season with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and for me personally, I've said it before. I'm going to say it all season. I truly believe this Jacksonville Jaguars offense and team as a whole is going to almost level up. We're going to see, I, I picture just a, a more put together team, a more put together offense. And Yes, there's the addition of Calvin Ridley, but I could, I mean, Zay Jones last year for the Jaguars. Let me pull that up so it's uh, visible. Uh, Christian Kirk was the wide receiver 11. Zay Jones last year was the wide receiver 26. I thought there was another Jaguars receiver. I might be missing something. Either way, two guys in the top 30, and I, I think I think Ridley's going to be probably the top guy in my personal opinion. But Kirk is not going – I don't think Kirk's just going to go to the wayside. I don't think it's just going to be the Calvin Ridley show. I think Christian Kirk is still going to have a top 20 wide receiver season and currently being drafted as a, a wide receiver 31, I feel, is cheap. And a guy who in the seventh round, mid-seventh, is a value, like a, like a screaming value almost, um, where I – personally would probably take him two rounds earlier. I 100% agree with you, and you're going to see why I even more agree with you in just a second here. But Christian Kirk, I, I was trying to trade for him everywhere in, in all of my leagues. I, I loved what he was doing last year. And from a PPR standpoint, from a yardage standpoint, from a touchdown standpoint, like it was it was incredible. He was doing everything you could have possibly asked of him. And, and in the offseason, everyone was thinking, oh, they gave Christian Kirk all that money. But he was what it took to kind yeah. of level Trevor Lawrence up and, and grow Trevor Lawrence to that next level. And it, Kyle, you mentioned Calvin Ridley, but he's he's also kind of contributing to I think he'll even just further contribute to that growth. Um, that, that we're going to see from Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars offense as a whole. But you're, you're right. As the wide receiver 11 um, at last season, and he's currently being drafted as, what did you say, Kyle? The 30, 31. 31. I, I, I mean, there's no way that he, he doesn't finish better than 31. When we saw Zay Jones, who was more or less a, a rotational piece last year, I know he's the wide receiver too, but he wasn't the focal point, you know, finishes the 26 wide receiver. So I, I just – you're right. It is a screaming value. And to get a guy like this as potentially your third or maybe even flex or bench receiver, uh, I think that value is just incredible. 
Yeah, absolutely. Kirk is going to be on too many of my teams, and he probably already <laughs> is in best ball, and I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to take a counterpart here that I personally have way too much of, and I, I'm actually going to go with Calvin Ridley, uh, I'm the other wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think it's pretty safe to say that we are all in on the on the Jacksonville train this year, Kyle. Absolutely. Um, I not not to be too hot takey or anything right here. And who knows, maybe we'll we'll put out a, a hot takes episode down the, down the <laughs> road here. But I, I think Trevor Lawrence could potentially get close yeah. to or eclipse that 5000 yard passing mark this year, which is just absurd levels of production. But I think that he is truly uh, going to take that big of a step forward this year. We saw him throw for 41, 4,100 yards last year um, with a without Calvin Ridley, and now you just take a guy that's an uh, all-pro level wide receiver and add him into this offense, and and uh, I, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like in, in Jacksonville this year. So for me personally, the things that really stick out to Ridley for me, he has a knack of finding the end zone. You can see there prior to his uh, weird – departure mental mental health suspension blah 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 he had 10 touchdowns this rookie year followed by seven followed by nine in in a falcons offense that was okay not great um but uh, this i think jacksonville offense has a potential to be nuclear where he could be putting up uh, who knows 12 13 14 touchdowns this season and on top of that he's also a ppr type of guy where he's reeling in uh, a bunch of receptions you can see there in 2020 where he took over as the wide receiver one he had 90 receptions on 143 targets so he I think this guy with a, a young quarterback that loves to throw the ball and an offense that loves to throw the ball with Doug Peterson I think that sky is the absolute limit for him I, I love his ADP he's currently I don't think I even mentioned that he's being taken as the wide receiver 25 which is just ridiculous to me uh, and if you can, I think I typically get him in the round four or five turn. And I think that that is just uh, uh, absurd. I think it's such good value. I, I, I can't even get over it. I think between him and Kirk, these guys could be potential league winners this year. Yeah, I think, yeah, right now Ridley is sitting as a, a late fourth rounder, early fifth, kind of in that, that bubble there at that turn. Mm-hmm. I can't help but agree with you. I, I mean, it's a ja- it's a Jaguar. I'm excited about him. Um, <laughs> but I think the combination of Calvin Ridley, the common with Christian Kirk uh, and Evan Engram, who I think is also going to be an insane value this year. I feel like this offense is going to take a a leap that sure we're prepared for, but I think fantasy drafts haven't kind of shown that. Um, and I feel like uh, assuming that the Jaguars offense is going to be good this year, which is weird to say, but a good Jacksonville Jaguars uh, offense is right in front of our eyes and beat the jump. I feel like getting uh, any Jaguars offense, uh, especially on the passing t- side, is going to benefit your your rosters this year, um, almost no matter where you're taking them. Uh, like you said, Ridley's being drafted as the wide receiver 25. Insane. I would take both of them in the top 24. Uh, so for me, that just kind of makes Kirk a little bit more of a value, but still I want both of them. Um, and I'm not going to draft Kirk 20 picks early just because I like him. I'm still going to wait and take him at value because I think it's insane. 
Um, so yeah, give me both of these guys. Give me, give me Ridley. Give me Christian Kirk. Give me Trevor Lawrence. Give me, give me Evan Ingram. Give me the Jaguars passing offense this year. Well, and I, Kyle, I think we've mentioned more in the past with other offenses. The Dolphins come to mind. The Eagles come to mind. The the Bengals come to mind. If if you maybe don't hit on Kirk or Ridley, you know, you end up missing them in your drafts. They go a little bit earlier than expected or whatever. The perfect way to encompass a whole entire offense is by getting the quarterback who's going to be throwing the ball and distributing it to, to these wide receivers. You know, last year uh, I was lucky enough. I had Jalen Hurts and every time AJ Brown scored or Deontay or Devonte Smith scored, I, I, I was happy because who was throwing him the ball? It was Jalen Hurts. So even if you miss out or maybe you want to build the stack between um, a Trevor Lawrence and Kirk or a Trevor Lawrence or Ridley, or who knows, maybe even all three. Um, I, I think that that's a great strategy too, because I think, like I mentioned, I think Trevor Lawrence is primed for a massive season this year. And if you can get, yes, it would be great to have the receivers, but if you can get the guy getting the ball to the receivers, I think that's, that's just as great of an option as well. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of value to be had the Jaguars offense and I think you and I both share that sentiment uh and if Absolutely. we're both if we're both screaming draft Jaguars players uh, who knows maybe you should but <laughs> we're just two guys who enjoy looking at fantasy football numbers so I guess you don't have to uh and, and this is our biggest recommendation I guess is count on the Jaguars this year Absolutely Absolutely All right so those are our quick Boom bus. Uh, just a quick rundown. Our booms were running back Miles Sanders, uh, running back James Conner, wide receiver Christian Kirk, and wide receiver Calvin Ridley. And our two bust picks were tight end Darren Waller and quarterback Anthony Richardson. Um, that Zach, any final notes, comments on on those? Uh, no, not particularly. I think for our booms, I, I think the very cool thing about these four guys that we picked out here, Kyle, is that they are later round ADPs, uh, yeah. not necessarily middle round ADPs, where you can establish yourself with these top end guys in your first and second round. And you can swing for the fences with these four guys that we provided with, uh, provided you with here and, you know, really kind of I think have a great, well put together team at the end of your draft. If you, if you capitalize on a couple of these dudes now, you know, by all means, you don't need to to draft every single guy that we said here, but if you can leave a draft with maybe Miles Sanders as your round four pick and Calvin Ridley as your round five pick, you're going to be feeling great about yourself. And I, and I, I think that that's some awesome value. So I, I really particularly like that. We, we kind of went after, we dug down a little bit deeper and found some of these guys with, with later ADPs that people can really capitalize on. Yeah, and I think you and I have planned in a few weeks like a almost like a draft strategy mm -hmm. uh, a episode where we'll probably lay out those early round picks that we like. Um, but this was more kind of focused in the middle-ish middle, middle -ish round um, just to find value because that's where, I guess, value lies the most. That's exactly what I was going to say. And and there's kind of a, a saying in the fantasy industry where you, you don't necessarily win or lose in the in the first rounds. Those middle to late rounds are the ones that win or lose your For championships because sure. it's it's really easy to hit on Justin Jefferson or to hit on hit on, you know, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. But to, to hit on a guy like Sanders or like Ridley or like Connor can can make or break your season. That can that can really push you into a different a different tier than some of the other people in your league. For sure.
All right, Zach. That being said, thank you, listener, viewer, for tuning in. Uh, we are First Seed Fantasy. Find us wherever you consume content or, uh, I guess, just YouTube and podcasts at First Seed Fantasy or on social media as First Seed Fantasy, and you'll find us. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the First Seed Fantasy Podcast. Till next time. Till next time.